podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your World Cup Daily. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? Distraught that we're without one member of our team, personally. What about you? Yeah, no Mr. Drinkle today. So we are uh, having to record ourselves. So if something goes wrong, it's all guys' fault. <laughs> Carl, yet another mental day in this bizarre World Cup that is just completely unpredictable. So we spoke Saturday night. We thought Japan-Costa Rica was about as easy a game to predict as possible. And yes, Japan nil, Costa Rica won, Fuller with the only goal of the game on 81 minutes. How do we even explain this one? I have to um, put the blame for this one squarely at the feet of the players, I'm afraid. Um... I assume that the instruction was not to go out and don't really do very much. Uh, I can't believe that with the opportunity they'd given themselves, that's the the team talk ahead of the match. Um, The speed of play wasn't there. The rotation of positions in the attacking line wasn't there. The individuality that they have sometimes was not there until much later on in the game. And then it was there far too much and they weren't really doing any combinations at all. Um, the speed of play, like I say, was really, really low compared to what they're capable of. Costa Rica were always going to tighten up after the, the abomination of their first performance. So it was more important than ever for Japan to play as quickly as they do, have runners off the ball as well as they do and everything else. So I think uh, it was quite clear by the, how the second half started, the first 15 minutes or so, that at halftime they would have had whatever the Japanese equivalent of a hairdryer is. And it looked like, you know, with the, the couple of changes that he made, the speed of play that they had afterwards, the bit more intent that they had from midfield as well. It looked like they'd been told, what are you doing? What are you playing at? Play football, play it the way we always do. And they did start to, but very quickly ran out of ideas. Uh, kind of have to credit Costa Rica for that because they did shut them down really well. But I think this is all on Japan's players. I agree. I do agree. I, I It looked like there was a little bit of arrogance about how they were going about their business, like they just expected that Costa Rica would roll over for them. Um, There was obviously a couple of changes made to the starting 11. None of them really worked out. And there was some suggestion that maybe they're saving players for the final game against Spain. But, I mean, this was the game to go and win. If they'd won this game, they would be true now. And now they have a lot of pressure on them. And we'll come back to that last game before we wrap today. Um, moving on to other games from yesterday, then another shock, Belgium nil, Morocco two, Romain Seiss with the opener on 73 minutes and a Buklal with the cherry on the cake on 92 minutes. 
a fairly shambolic performance from Belgium. And what really strikes me here, Carl, we had Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne in the last couple of days mentioned the age of the defence as a reason that Belgium might not win the World Cup. And then we had Jan Vertonghen slapping back with a comment about the age of the attack. All not well in the Belgian camp, it seems. No, I. <laughs> it was quite um, telling, I think, the way that the players and the manager, in, in fairness, were, were speaking before even the group stage started, actually, but certainly after that first game against Canada. Um, and they asked Kevin De Bruyne, you know, what chance of success for Belgium this time? None is the answer, basically. He gave, I think it's quite clear that there is some element of discord at the very least. I don't know whether maybe it's the squad don't really agree with the choices or they're all fed up with the way that they're playing themselves or I don't know what it could be. Obviously, there are there are lots and lots of reasons. Maybe they felt the group as a whole, management and that current squad had had run its course and needed to be changed up, which is what everybody else has been thinking for the last two years at the very least. Mm. Um, yes, the World Cup last time around was their best chance of winning as that group, prime ages and all the rest of it, but it was also quite clear during the Euros that the team needed a refresh. It needed a couple of new faces brought in, that the same players who had been involved before had not hit the heights after the World Cup expected of them. Um, you know, we, you mentioned in the build-up to this game, the front line, for example, that it's still Benteke, it's still uh, Michi Batshuayi, it had still been up until last year, Divock Origi as well. They're all the same ones who were there two World Cups ago. Yeah. Backing up Lukaku. At the time, they were challenging Lukaku, and it was kind of a race to see who could reach the top out of that sort of group. In the end, it's just the same group, and it's Lukaku who's got good and nobody else. So it, it's been very, very poorly managed, I think. Um, again, I, I, I put the... The blame for this squarely at the the coaching staff uh, on this occasion. It's not been well managed. It hasn't been regenerated as a team. Uh, trust is fine, but you need to not have the blinkers on when it comes to how far off the pace your team has fallen. And Belgium have not been able to lay a glove on either Canada or Morocco. We're not talking superpowers here. We're talking one team who hadn't been to the World Cup for over 30 years, another one who hadn't picked up a win in, I can't remember off the top of my head, was it? no wins in the last three World Cup appearances, something like that for Morocco. Um, just very, very poor all round from Belgium. So, so slow, so one-paced. Nobody able to take the ball on the turn outside of De Bruyne and Onana. Nobody making runs beyond the forward. It was awful. It was. It was genuinely dreadful. And it is funny. You think back to the 2014 World Cup and Lukaku was the starter. Origi was one that got a lot of people quite excited. Benteke missed that World Cup because of the ruptured Achilles, but had done so well for Aston Villa to that point. And Michi Batshuayi was a name that was really starting to bubble up with the form he was in for Standard Liège and moving to Marseille the summer of that World Cup. And you look at it and thinking, these could have four exceptionally good strikers. And Benteke never recovered. Michi lost his way with the move to Chelsea. And Divock just became sort of an okay player and not a whole lot more, other than obviously in big Champions League moments for us. And Lukaku's the only one that went on and became, you know, anything similar to what we thought he'd be. This squad needs quite a significant teardown. And I think we'll see a raft of retirements. 
I assume we will see a change in manager. And it may well be that it comes after the group stage because it's possible that they don't make it through. Uh, in the other game in that group yesterday, Croatia 4, Canada 1. Alfonso Davies put Canada 1 up on two minutes with a great header. Kramaric equalises on 36. Levea makes it 2-1 just before half time. Kramaric makes it 3 on 70. And Meyer makes it four on 94 minutes. Canada seemed to run out of steam um, sort of midway through the second half and Croatia punished them. A big win for Croatia, a good win for Croatia, but the Canadians, I think, will be very disappointed uh, with that result. Yeah, um, I noticed a few similarities between Canada and Australia uh, in that they start very, very quickly and they start very aggressively and on the front foot and trying to create things. And by 60 minutes, they've run out. Um, Canada, obviously, much better in terms of uh, technique and build-up play and players in the final third and all the rest of it. Australia are much more uh, grunt and spirit, let's say. But both of them seem to have that on this stage where they've, you know, just after half time, they're kind of done and they need to defend what they've got at that point. Um, Australia, obviously, have managed it in one and hammered in the other. And Canada got that this time around. I think that... Considering the performances Canada have put in and the fact that they are out after two games versus other nations who are still in with a chance of making the last 16 and have been far, far worse than Canada, they can consider themselves really unlucky, either for the group that they've been handed or for the fact that they did not beat Belgium when they should have, um, which you, know, you can say it's unlucky or you can say that's what you get in football when you can't put the ball in the net. That's kind of OK. But even so, there are teams who have not played well and have still got a chance of going through. So disappointed for them on that scale, but history made, scored their first goal. Really, mm. really impressive, I think, in terms of not not tournament debutants, but people who haven't been here for a long, long time. Definitely plenty for this uh, nation to build on in a, in a football perspective, obviously with them as co-hosts co uh, next time around as well for the World Cup. There's so much to look forward to here. There's a, a really good group of I wouldn't outright call some of them young, but they're sort of young enough that they can be in their prime age next time in the World Cup at the very least. Uh, so loads and loads to look forward to for them in the future. I don't think that they've you know, come anywhere close to letting themselves down or anything at all. It's just that this is a big step up. So it's a, a really good learning process for a lot of players, hopefully. Um, Alfonso Davies hopefully is... is been able to overcome that moment, let's say, with the penalty miss in the first mm. game and scoring in the second game. Um, but I thought Croatia were ex excellent after the first 20 minutes, I must say. They, they were a little bit slow and sloppy in the first stages of the game. But let's say after at least half an hour, they started to really dominate in midfield. Excuse me, they were 3v2 most of the time in there. Uh, and they definitely made that count. Kovacic was unbelievably good, I thought. Um, and both both managers actually brought in two strikers to start for this game, although obviously using them in different ways as well. Canada went with two through the middle, whereas Croatia pushed Kramaric, who was through the middle last time, a little bit wider, but still very, very narrow. So nice, interesting little tactical wrinkle there. But I think Croatia going 3-2 in midfield all the time was really what helped turn this game around. Yeah, I do agree with that. I do agree. With that. I think they overran Canada in the midfield. Atiba Hutchinson is nearly 40 years of age and hadn't kicked a ball in seven months before this competition kicked off. And I think his age really did tell. 
you say it was three v two, it was kind of three v one and a half because he's a bit of he was a bit of a passenger, I thought, in that game. And it's great that he's getting his World Cup. I mean, he's the only um the only one of that team, I believe, that was alive the last time Canada were in a World Cup in eighty six. So it's great for him to get that moment because obviously he, he won't be, you'd imagine, you'd imagine he would, wouldn't be in the squad in four years' time. But they can take a lot from this. The likes of Buchanan, Davies, Laren and David, that's a front four that they can build from. It's very talented. There's plenty more to come from those players. I think Jonathan David will be very disappointed with his World Cup so far. But, you know, there's definitely stuff for them to build off. And likewise with the um, with the Croatian team, I mean, there's there's plenty coming out of that game for them to build off. A uh, question for you: um, Kamal Miller, the Canadian centre back, they tell me he's 25 years of age. Carl, I've seen pensioners run quicker than him. Is he the slowest player at this World Cup? I mean, I assume that maybe one of the goalkeepers is a bit slower than him. Um, he reminded me quite a lot, quite a lot in terms of his uh, turning circle in the first game. I'm going to say as um, Wes Morgan, very, very barrel-chested sort of mm. centre back. But actually, what he looked like in this game um, was uh, a player who also played on the same day, and that's the turning circle of Eden Hazard. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, Eden Hazard, of course, it, it's not so much the turning circle. It's the gravity of his arse as he turns, uh, causing everything to swing and move. And, um, yeah, it's it's not it's not great for Eden at the moment. Uh, moving on, then, the last game from yesterday. Spain won, Germany nil. Alvaro Morata put Spain one up on 62 minutes. Nicholas Fulkrug on 83 minutes, equalising. I thought Spain shot themselves in the foot here, Carl. They went 1-0 up. And seem to think that'll do. We don't need to do much more. We're going to sit back now and just absorb a bit of pressure. And unfortunately, when your defence isn't very good, that's asking for trouble. And they found a little bit of trouble here. Yeah, they did. I thought it was um, a little bit sloppy from Spain overall, to be honest. I think they kind of saw this game as as long as we don't lose, we're kind of there, which is true. Fair enough. Um, But they also could have absolutely finished off. Uh, what had been seen as a rival um, for for the latter stages, at least, if not to outright win. I don't think either of those nations were ever really, really in the running for it this time around. Uh, I thought that there was quite a a disparity, let's say, in Spain's team last night in between the very decent performers and the very poor performers. That's not normally something you see from Spain. Um, Quite often it'll be like an across the board, all right, and then one or two really, really standout players. But I thought like, Laporta, I didn't think, had a good game last night. Uh, Ferran Torres, I thought, was pretty poor. Unai Simon did not have a good game. Danny Carvajal's return was... I'm not even going to speak about Danny Carvajal's game. I think he had a bit of a shocker, to be honest. Um, but then a few of the other players, like Rodri, I know he, he could have done better for the goal, probably. But Rodri, I thought, played well at centre-back against actual attackers this time. Um, Danny, uh, Danny Alba. Jordi Alba, I thought, was pretty good down the left-hand side to counterbalance Carvajal being atrocious on the other side. Uh, Danny Olmo was very involved, that sort of thing. So it was it was a little bit of a weird showing from Spain, to be honest. Um, I don't think that Spain, with this lineup can go that deep in the tournament, just because I think that there is too much sloppiness individually. There's not really a very good partnership or triangle there at the back. 
Uh, and Busquets, again, you can see on the ball, really, really good in the first half last night. As soon as Germany started attacking, he was nowhere. He couldn't get anywhere near them. Goretzka, as soon as he started to run forward, just realised that there was like, you know, a ghost of a shadow of the idea of an image on the floor of a defensive midfielder for Spain, and he was just trundling past him. But he didn't do that for absolutely ages. Um, I don't really like this Germany setup whatsoever, I have to say. I spoke about it several times now, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but I just do not like how they're using so many of these players. And at this point, right back, it must just be like a roulette or, you know, every player in the squad has a number and he picks one out of a hat and whoever he picks out either starts or comes on a sub or whatever it is. So there's there's still a lot here to sort out for Flick. Um, not very impressed with Germany whatsoever, but at least the players who did come off the bench had a bit of a go, tried to have a bit of an impact. Fulkrug's shot may still be travelling. I'm not really sure. Mm. It was very, very hard hit. Sane, again, I mean, we're two games into the World Cup and now he's had 20 minutes of action. What's the story here? Tell us, please. If he's still a bit injured, let us know, because otherwise stupidity is reigning here supreme. And as for Kai Havertz, you start up front one game, you don't even feature in the next when you need a goal. Don't know what's going on here as well. Uh, and before you go and finish off Spain and Germany, I will just apologise to any Moroccan fans listening. It's one win in the last three, not no wins in the last three. My bad. It's still not great, though, is it? Let's be fair. Um, no, no your one win was 98 as well. So, I mean, it does span a while. <laughs> it's a little bit of a while ago. Um, Atiba Hutchinson, probably the only player at this World Cup playing at that point. Um, it's not great from the Germans. It's The, Sp- the Spanish have their issues, and, and Busquets is definitely one of them. F- fantastic on the ball still, but defensively he can't offer anything. I-, I feel like there's a good German team in this squad. Like, I feel like if you lined up with Kloistermann, Bela Kotschup, Schlotterberg and Rom at the back in front of Nauer, that would be pretty good. Kimmich and Goretzka, that would be good. We know that's a good pairing in midfield. Nabri, Musiala and Sané behind Havertz or behind one of the young strikers. I feel like that's a team that could cause others trouble. But I think it's going to be too little too late. Because, Carol, if I'm Spain here, and I think I can win this competition. I might set out to lose to Japan, knowing that unless Germany absolutely mop the floor with Costa Rica and score eight goals, I, I'm safe and I'm through. You don't genuinely think they're going to do that, though, do you? No, I don't think they'll do it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Japanese beat them despite how bad they were yesterday. But uh, Germany are in are in trouble here. Like, mm. they, they're going to need that result to go in their favour. And they need to beat Costa Rica, which is no guarantee. Like, it's no guarantee at all. If mm. Costa Rica defend like they did against Japan, and Germany are as, as poor in attack as they have been, it's, it's no guarantee that they win that game. And we don't know that... You know, Japan could well go and beat Spain. Uh, let's move on to today's games, though. Let's not get too bogged down. We can talk about that game when it comes up. Today, we have Cameroon versus Serbia as our first game. And I feel like the Serbians need to go out and win this game, or I'm going to look particularly silly, having predicted them to do very, very well in this tournament. But they didn't inspire me with their performance in the opening game. 
Yeah, big improvement needed here. Um, you you will not be alone in the silly club. Don't worry about that. I will be sat right there beside you as honorary vice president. Um, I don't actually think that either of these teams did very well in terms of general performance level. Like Cameroon were okay in terms of their counter-attacking. That was very good. But I don't think that when Switzerland allowed them to have the ball and sat deep themselves, that they really had too much to open them up with. So I would expect Cameroon to try and utilise the same sort of system again, um, try and let Serbia have a bit more of the ball, which I think will suit Serbia as well. Uh, and Cameroon obviously will try to hit them on the break. The big thing about Serbia, and we spoke about this before the tournament, and I said semi-finalists or bottom of the group. And the big thing was, how do you react to a setback? Because they've been playing really well. We know that they are a, shall we describe them as a tempestuous group of players at times. And they need a really strong mentality here. They need to show the ability to bounce back. All right, you lost the first game and the second half wasn't great, but it was Brazil. Like They are like in the top two in terms of favourites to win the whole World Cup. So it's not devastating. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your World Cup either. And you can still go further than Brazil, even though you lost. That's what the group is for. But you have to show a reaction here. So I do expect a really, really big um, turn up, let's say, from Serbia. Certainly in the first half, they need to... You know, get themselves back in the groove and make sure they're confident and happy and smiling and all the rest of it. And if they do, I think they will overpower Cameroon here. But if they have been sulking and sitting around and you know bemoaning bemoaning decisions and all the rest of it all week or all three days between games anyway, they could come unstuck. They will be up against the Cameroon side who are really really up for it because they've lost the game they kind of had to win. Um, it's all or nothing for Cameroon. It is as well, I suppose, or nearly all or nothing for Serbia. But as long as they get a decent result here, they can obviously go to Switzerland. You assume Brazil would win that one. That's the big one to finish second, obviously. But they won't do that if they don't have a good response here. No, no, they won't at all. And Guy is just informing us that Andre Onana is out of not just the team. He's been left out of the matchday squad today for Cameroon. Andre Onana has been removed from Cameroon's squad, been told the reason is a discussion with the head coach as he insisted for a different style of goalkeeping, more traditional. Onana has no intention to change his style. Tense situation, so he's been excluded. That's a bit of a bizarre thing because, well, you may want a different type of goalkeeper. He's the goalkeeper you've got. He's the one you've picked. And he's you've picked him for who he is and what he is. And he's a very good goalkeeper. Asking him to change to become a bit more traditional is rather ridiculous and not going to benefit or befit him as a player. Um, what, so that's a bit what, of a surprise. What are, we, what are we thinking is intended to be meant by more traditional? A little Stay. less Alison Becker, Ederson, and a little more... Burned Leno. So stay on your line. Don't be very good at clearing the ball. Don't save everything. But look like you can claim corners? Yeah, get a get a solid 6 out of 10. Dominate your box in the air. Have a good shout at your own defenders from your 6-yard box. And not a whole more, lot more than that. Uh, the teams are out. Still no Vlahovic in the... Serbian team, but Philippe Kostic is returned to the team, which is um, which is a big plus. They're going with the the three four two one again. Tadic and Milinkovic Savic behind Mitrovic, 
uh, Lukic and Maksimovic in the centre midfield. I'm a little bit disappointed not to see uh, Illich playing, but it is what it is. Uh, moving on then, we have the second game of the day. It will be South Korea versus Ghana. South Korea involved in a boar fest in their first game against U- Uruguay. Ghana involved in a fairly mental game against Portugal, which showed that they can be very, very impressive going forward. Mohamed Kudus might want to just cut back a little bit on the shots from 35 yards, but they're quite poor defensively. I think this is a fascinating game. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to expect from this one. Are we going to get more of the same from Ghana in terms of reasonably open show that they're you know quite a new team still or are they going to go a bit more aggressive and try to be a bit more attack minded here um obviously portugal you know decent side been together ages good technical midfield all the rest of it kind of some similarities there with south korea in terms of the the midfield is a very technical group pretty good at build-up play some decent combinations but one the attack is nowhere near as good as Portugal's is or should be and two there's probably an element of uh, additional respect paid to teams shall we say not based on necessarily how they are but how some of their players have been kind of like you see in the first game with Belgium for example where Canada we're just happy to go at them sort of thing but you can see sometimes there's a, a bit of an extra respect, like two players on Eden Hazard at the start of that game, for example, until they realised he actually couldn't even take himself on anymore. So maybe Ghana were a little bit standoff from Portugal because of that as well. Maybe this time they think that they can attack a little bit more. It's obviously a game both nations would have highlighted as we need to win this one if we want to get through to the last 16. I think it could be quite an exciting game. I think there's a bit of a clash of styles here. I think if as long as... Kudos last time, I think, was far more effective when they allowed him to get forward rather than just sat in central midfield. So if, if Ghana are intent on pushing him on a lot, then I think that that's only going to benefit them, to be honest. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect, but I do think I do expect a good game here. Yeah, so do I. I think this is going to be a good game. I'm quite excited for this one. Um, next up, then, we have Brazil versus Switzerland. Is this the game? where Harris Seferovic has his one good game of the year. And no. can the Swiss overcome Brazil? No. <laughs> Just not having it at all, are you? You're not having Harris Seferovic at all. Switzerland shouldn't be having Harris Seferovic at all. <laughs> I remember us doing thing, a daily podcast here at the Euros, and you disparaged him, and he, he yeah. made you look very bad. I'm assuming he's not listening to us during the World Cup. He's, he was during the Euros. We know that now. But, you know, um, the one interesting thing here is obviously who comes in for Brazil for Neymar. Um, mm. the, it could I assume Rodrigo. I thought it was going to be um, Fred, to be honest. But uh, then they would move uh, Lucas Pagatel forward, obviously, mm. as, the, as the number 10, because they did that in qualifying a lot. But it was when Neymar was playing as the nine. So they've got options they can do whatever they want here really they could do that and go with the two more established center mids they could leave Pagada or, or swap him out whatever and bring in any one of the attackers that they have uh to play in that second line so Anthony could feasibly play there Vinny could move into the center and put Rodrigo left um or they could go with two up front or they could drop Richarlison into that support line and put someone else as the nine there's loads of things they could do here it's kind of a free hit almost but yeah I'm sure that 
uh, Tizia would have had someone in mind to play instead of Neymar at the moment he was either rested or whatever. Yeah, and as we know, Neymar is going to miss both this game and the final game of the group against Cameroon. Um, and to be honest, that ankle doesn't look good. Now, I've seen a few people suggest that Rodrigo is the one that they view as the, the natural heir in that number 10 position. But like you said, they've got so many different options. It, it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, Rafinha was left out as well. Um, I don't think he had the best of games against Serbia, and he obviously missed a great chance. So, I mean, Anthony could come in for him as part of a reshuffle. They'll fancy their chances to beat Cameroon in the last game. So, like you said, it is a bit of a free hit. They might juggle a few things and see what else might work for them. Um, but I'm expecting... And Danny Alves. And, uh, no, hopefully not. Edder no, Danny Alves is going to play. Danny knows he... out. Danny Alves is going to play, isn't he? Edder Militao could come in, no? He could, but is he going to? Probably not. Danny Alves, him and Atiba Hutchinson can catch up after the World Cup about what it is to be really, really old. Uh, moving on then, final game of the day and probably the the best game of the day on paper, Portugal versus Uruguay. Uruguay need a bit of a response after a very, very flat performance against South Korea. Uh, Portugal obviously got that win over Ghana, but they didn't play particularly well and they were heavily reliant on Ghanaian mistakes for their goals and a you know a, a bizarre penalty decision and a, a non-overturn by VAR. Uh, what are you thinking for Portugal versus Uruguay? How does this one shape up? Uh, it could shape up as the dullest game of the day, to be honest, if they both try and let each other cancel things out. Um, Portugal would be suited more for that simply because they have the win in the bag already. I think Uruguay need to make this a fight. I think Uruguay needs to make this a game where they really get in Portugal's faces and get a few people irritated. We know that Uruguay have still got a core of players there who can be really aggressive. And the thing about Uruguay is that sometimes it can be controlled aggression. It can be like within their remit. Whereas I think Portugal have a few more people like Bruno Fernandes, like um, uh, Silva in midfield, like even probably... Diaz, I would say, as well, is a little bit hot-headed at times and things get to him and he sort of mm. flies off the handle a bit. I think if they can rattle Portugal and make a few key players lose concentration, that's maybe Uruguay's best route to a win here. I'm not... A draw would not be devastating for Uruguay, but they would then have to beat Ghana in the last game, which is not an absolute foregone conclusion. So I don't know that they can just go out from the outset in this second match and think, just don't lose. I, I think it's too risky for, for their prospects. I think they're capable of beating Portugal. Portugal are also good enough that they could score a couple of goals in this game, to be honest, if they, I mean, they would probably win if they would change one specific member of the team, but we're not mm. going to get into that again because it's his own podcast. There's still chance for him to score. There's still chance for anyone to to play off him and score, but I think Jimenez and Godin looked okay physically in the first game. Um, four days is not the greatest turnaround for either of them at this point, but there's obviously a protective element there as well uh, in terms of they can change system and go for a three. They can um, bring in Seb Cuates or maybe put Catherine centre-back or something like that if they need to to protect one of them. And they do start the game with 12 players as opposed to 10 because they have Fede Valverde. 
Yes, and they they need a big performance from Fede Valverde. They need a big performance from Darwin, and they could do it. Luis Suarez not looking his age. Um, he needs to have his World Cup moment, and this game would be ideal. Even a draw here for Portugal, despite not being a bad result, still leaves them in jeopardy because South Korea could well go out and beat Portugal in the final game. And even a win over Ghana then might not be enough. Let's get predictions done then. Cameroon versus Serbia. I will go with 2-0 to Serbia. Okay, I'm going to go 3-1. Uh, South Korea versus Ghana. Nil-nil. Just because oh. I picked it to be an interesting game. Oh, I could see that. I could see that. Do you know what? I think I'm going to go for the bit of an upset here. I'm, I'm going to go Ghana 2-1. Because I, I think Kudus can cause them a lot of problems. And I think there's a lot of exciting attacking players in that Ghana squad. And South Korea are heavily reliant on Sun in attack. And if they can just keep him quiet, I think Ghana can over can, can, can do them. Uh, Brazil versus Switzerland. 3-1. 3-0. 3-0. I'll go 2-0. Yeah. I'll go 2-0 to Brazil. And then last but certainly not least, we have Portugal-Uruguay. I fear this one is going to be a 0-0, but sorry, I'm going 1-0 to Uruguay. Darwin with the winner. I can't go 1-0. But I'll go two one. I I I want I I fancy Uruguay in this one as well. More maybe more because I want them to win more yeah. than anything. I'd love Uruguay to win this one and then South Korea to you know beat Portugal in that final game. But we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Um, yeah, and that's it. That is what we've got. What have you got coming for today? Uh, a massively disparaging and quite potentially. Um, needs legal attention piece on Belgium and the devastation and carnage they have caused to themselves. <laughs> I think the uh, there might be one or two players seeking legal advice if the fallout continues. Uh, we will leave it there. We will be back tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Have a good day and enjoy those games. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.